Well, hello, and welcome to the Fisher Poetry Podcast, a showcase of prose, poetry, and song written and performed by those in the commercial fishing community, mostly. I'm your host, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is from the 2023 Fisher Poetry Gathering in Astoria, Oregon. You'll be hearing from Fisher poet Balika Hawkinson of Seattle, Washington, with introduction by MC Dan Kaiser. Balika's performance was recorded at the Liberty Theater on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. So, without further ado, here's Balika. Now, moving forward, our next performer will be Balika Hawkinson. Balika Hawkinson was born and raised on Kodiak Island. Both parents fished around Kodiak, dad in the winter, longlining and jigging, mom in the summer, seining. Balika rebelled in middle school by set netting in Uganic, but eventually came back to seining, mostly with her mom on the Renaissance. In school, most of her favorite teachers were summer fishermen. So Balika went to school to become an educator and then rapidly realized that she liked teaching. She became stingy for her summers with her own children and retired from fishing just before her first daughter was born 19 years ago. 10 years ago, her family moved from Kodiak to Seattle where she teaches middle school science. As often as she is able, Balika heads home to Kodiak to be surrounded by the ocean and the people and culture that she calls home. Please welcome Balika Hawkinson to the stage. So in a funny twist of fate, I guess it's called, um, I also am in love with the coelacanth. Um, and there's a really great book called The Fish, Fish Don't Exist, which is about the coelacanth. Amazing book. Um, in another weird twist, my husband's name is Fish. <laughs> well, his name's Sven, but everyone in my town calls him Fisherman or Fish. And he was the one who opened the package um, in, entitled with the book entitled Fish Don't Exist, and he was very confused. <laughs> Good, really good book, though. Um, anyways, I'm here to talk not about um, being a fisherman, but about learning how to not be a fisherman anymore. Um, and it's been 10 years now since I've lived outside of Alaska. In those years, I've had time to get some perspective. I was raised by two fishermen. My dad dig jigged for cod on a little wooden Hansen double ender named the Lindy Two. My mom ran the salmon center, the Renaissance, often with an all-girl crew. As a kid, I had my choice of fisheries and fishing options, but never considered doing anything but fishing during the summer. That said, I had the fishing life figured out. The non-fishing life, though, not so much. I've been slapped in my face with my own ignorance many times. It's been harder for me to learn how to not be a fisherman than it was to become one. Um, let me give you a few examples. This is a tale in five parts. Part one of learning how to not be a fisherman. There were things that I learned embarrassingly late, often all at once, and I'm not talking about the little things that I learned at age five or so, and I'm still reminded of to this day by giddy family friends, like playgrounds are not called crab pots, even though crab pots can be playgrounds, or at least they were at our homestead in Uganic on the west side of Kodiak Island. Also, 
a bucket display at the local hardware store is not a good place to pull down your pants and pee. <laughs> not all buckets are for peeing in. I'm talking about things I learned much later, like not everyone, ha not everyone has a salmon season. When I went off to college and I sat next to a cute little thing from West Virginia who wanted to be a statistician like my mom and dad, and my head went blank <laughs> about where to go from there and what to say next, so I decided to ask her what she did during her salmon season. <laughs> and as soon as it was out of my mouth, I realized it was a completely nonsensical question. But the concept of seasons as periods of time in which one transitions between things was so ingrained in my mind that I couldn't conceive, conceive of how else to even think about time in another more normal sense. I acknowledge how ridiculous it is that it took me 18 years for this to sing it, sink in. Regardless, I continued to have these little ignorance awareness experiences. Next lesson that sticks with me, one does not necessarily use extra tufts to dress up an outfit. An outfit. I mean, in Kodiak we did. We'd wear extra tufts to prom and we'd wear them out to dinner. At my best friend's wedding in the little Russian Orthodox church in the village of Old Harbor, all the bridesmaids and the bride with their long white dress wore extra tufts. Extra tufts are an explic inexplicable symbol of identity and Alaskanness. Extra points for shiny dried on salmon scales. I <laughs> yes. I lasted a year at Smith College, a small all-girls liberal arts college in Massachusetts. I never felt at home chit-chatting about summer camps and ski vacations. I craved the salty smell of the ocean and a broad horizon line to give me that sense of smallness that made me feel calm. I felt a sense of smallness at Smith College, but the smallness was because I was out of place and ignorant of the way the world worked, not small as a part of the land, the resources, and the community. I had no common language with the girls at Smith, and I felt clunky, disconnected, and terribly blue-collar. In my world, being blue-collar was a point of pride, but not so much in the East Coast college world. That year ended with a summer of salmon fishing that grounded me, but I knew that I wasn't going back to Smith. I finished up college far away, but in a place that felt more like home, the little fishing town of St. Andrews in Scotland, that felt real to me. As a plus, it got out in May, so I, could, I wouldn't lose my place on my mom's boat for reds. School buildings were intermixed with markets, pubs, and coffee shops. But I still found myself continuing my schooling, learning how to not be a fisherman. For example, dirt under your fingernails and muddy sweatpants are not symbols of prosperity <laughs> everywhere you go. The posh London boy who followed me around for a while asked me a lot of questions. I realize now that he was just trying to figure me out. Aren't you bothered by the dirt under your fingernails? No, I was gardening. Hmm, aren't you going to wash your hands? <laughs> it hadn't even occurred to me to dig the dirt out from under my nails. It was my second year at St. Andrews. My girlfriends and I lived in a sweet little flat down by the sea with a spacious yard. I gleefully grew herbs and weeded to keep myself busy, to connect with my home and my land and do what I always did, grow stuff, make stuff, be self-sufficient. I was intending to keep getting my fingers dirty, so why bother with the nails? He stared at me intently as I struggled with figuring out how to respond, and I think I tried to explain my reasoning. I don't remember, honestly. Eventually, I stopped answering his calls, avoided his pub and his posh London accent and his probing stares and his questions, and I realized I didn't want to understand where he was coming from. I found my people eventually. They were the, the locals, the brick mason, musician, the down-to-earth Scots, the international students, the gravedigger who spent his time uh, birding, the Bosnian refugees. We weren't outcasts. We just weren't bothered by a little mud under our fingernails. In my journey I, to learn how to not be a fisherman, I realized that there are certain lessons that I'm glad I learned early. 
My mom worked very hard creating a sense of family amongst the four crew members on her 52-foot saner. Three months on a boat with people who understand each other and enjoy being around each other was the key to sanity for all of us. I wasn't about to unlearn this lesson. Chapter two. There are things I find myself unlearning slowly without even realizing it. Things like, it occurred to me the other day that when I need a screwdriver or a knife, I have to dig around for them. I was always tripping over them in our Kodiak house. Also, I no longer have a Victor Knox in the car, in the house, in my purse, and on the porch. It feels a little strange to think about carrying around knives in a place like Seattle. Secondly, I've known for a lot of years that the key to a fisherman's heart is not candy bars, but fresh fruit. Soft ones, like nectarines or cherries, that don't travel well. When I was the boat cook, I guarded the fresh stuff fiercely, shook my head at the greenhorn who tossed perfectly good wrinkly carrots in the bin. I was visiting friends at a setnet site in Uganic a few years back. I'd brought a big bag of fresh stuff, as usual, and while cutting strips of red peppers for a salad, I looked over at my friend Aaron, picking the pepper tops out that I'd thrown in the compost bin. Perfectly good pepper bits. I had a flashback of myself doing the same thing with the greenhorn on the Renaissance. Apparently, three years in Seattle had turned me into a greenhorn. I'm, I'm sure I'll keep realizing the ways that I'm secretly and slowly changing, but the last thing that I seem to be slowly unlearning is how to handle the booms and the bus. As a kid, a poor fishing year would mean that we'd live in the bus that we drove from Kodiak to Costa Rica for those precious winter months that we got off the island. A good season would mean we would fly. Now I get paid once a month, whether I have a week where I do some awesome teaching or whether I prove a complete failure at discipline, that, that week does not change my paycheck. We plan our vacations like the rest of America, based on when we feel we can afford it, not a mentality of, I have to get off the island, I don't care what it takes. Part three, there are things that can't be unlearned and I don't plan on trying to unlearn. Solitude, we can handle it. Don't have Wi-Fi or fancy electronics, no problem. We have beaches and rocks and hills wherever we go and the ability to go macro. Checking out and finding wildness anywhere is something that can bring us right back to our quiet places. Snow, ice, slush, and don't feel like doing the thing, just dress for it. Don't know how to change the oil or remember where the alternator is or what it does, that's what manuals are for. Just because some people are paid massive amounts of money to fix things doesn't mean it can't be learned. But the most important thing I learned growing up as a fisherman, the kid of fishermen, and in a fishing town, community matters. How we spend our money matters. Farming, fishing, those industries that not only drive small town economies but keep people tied to, re to realizing the importance of the land and the environment, these are our hope for the future. Chapter four. If I can't actually be a fisherman anymore, how can I make sure that my kids grow up with the same values? As I reflect on the way that fishing has become a way for people to feel, to feel tied to place, I realize how important it is to provide this to my own children. We moved to Seattle when our girls were in second and fifth grade, so I was worried when my 15-year-old daughter got a job at Cape Uganic for a couple weeks one summer. I tormented her with lists and piles of supplies. You need wristers, you need large rubber, rubber bands for your boots, um, books she had to bring. I was mortified and worried to think of her as the new crew member who might tuck her rain gear into her boots or put her fingers in between the skiff and the tender. But when I got my first letter from her, I knew the circle was unbroken. Her favorite summer moments, the smell and the look of fresh caught salmon, laying in the grass and watching the clouds drift by, not having a phone, 
puking multiple times over the side of the skiffs in between sets, but surviving. The 80s station playing a steady stream of Snoop Dogg, dancing in sweatpants under the disco ball in the cabin kitchen, which was, by the way, a buoy covered in tinfoil. The kids are all right. I teach eighth graders in Seattle, and when I think of the summers that many of these kids have, I feel, feel mostly sad. iPads, Minecraft, day camps, organized activities, Maybe crab pots are the perfect playgrounds. Chapter five, um, scrap those first four chapters. Maybe once you're a, a fisherman, you can never not be a fisherman. When I was having babies, I read all the birth books, but one specific one resonated. This particular book, Hypnobirthing, talked about natural pain relief through visualizing one's happy place and to practice it daily as a workout for the big event. There are still days when I pull out the image trapped in my psyche now, and visit the place that makes me feel most at peace, even though now I'm living in a big city. It's August 15th, 2 a.m. in Katoy Bay. My muscles are strong from a summer of working. The sound of the engine hums gently and deeply in the background. I'm in my rain gear, collapsed on a perfectly coiled cork stack, staring up at the Perseid meteor showers on the way to Anchorage. My boots rest on the leads, I smell the familiar warm, musty reindeer scent and the salty brininess of the Seine. Around me, other boats also head towards the dark cove, and the yellow cabin lights around me shine dimly into the dark night. I feel both small and big at the same time. The Toto fishing gear will stay in my basement, and even though I've popped the last salmon scale off my extra tufts, I still feel that familiar sense of invincibility when I slip them on when snow, when snow falls. Because even though I'm no longer a fisherman, those lessons about life, nature, and community are a part of my story, my values, and that's what counts. Thank you. That was Malika Hawkinson, recorded at the Liberty Theater in Astoria, Oregon, on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. Well, that's it. This one's in the tote. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is written and produced by Brad Wartman. The theme music for this episode is courtesy of Mark Allen Lovewell and Molly Canole. If you'd like to appear on or have comments about the show, please send an email to thefisherpoetryarchive at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to haul the latest episodes into your net. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is available via our podcast host, Spotify, as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can listen to our other podcast episodes, watch our YouTube videos, and join our community by going to thefisherpoetryarchive.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Come all young sailormen, listen to me. I'll sing you a song of the fish in the sea. Blow your winds westerly, westerly blow. We're bound to the southern, so steady she goes. 